0: Welcome to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Network. Now your host, Jason Miller.
1: My guest today is Jim Jaffer, the Assistant Secretary for Information and Technology and Chief Information Officer at the Veterans Affairs Department. Jim, welcome to the program.
2: Jason, my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
1: There's a lot to talk about today here because there's so much that's happened over the last three or four months. The pandemic has really changed up how agencies, and specifically CIOs, are delivering IT modernization. So let me start right there at the beginning. The coronavirus pandemic has really impacted agencies. How has it impacted you and your efforts to modernize VA? We refer
2: to it, and I think Dr. Stone, who's our head of Veterans Health, you know, characterized this, like many in the, uh, in the country, as a black swan event, right? It was that once-in-a-hundred-year event that really none of us, the sum total of our experiences and knowledge was really gonna help us navigate our way through it, right? So you, you look at the nature and the essence of the pandemic and all of its attributes, it really did challenge us. You know, I think starting off, first and foremost, we struggled to assess what was gonna be the need around telework, right? And VA, unlike other federal agencies, is predominantly an on-premise environment. So, uh, you know, the guesses varied widely around telework. Certainly we had to get a handle around telehealth and then all of the other uh, aspects of, of remote access. The pandemic forced us to accelerate our transformation. We we're fortunate that uh, the Congress saw fit to give the department uh, about $20 billion. About 2.115 of that was earmarked for information and technology. And as, as we pledged to the Congress, we were going to put every penny of every last dollar to good work to really address those extreme needs around telework and telehealth. Certainly, it forced us in the pandemic to accelerate our digital transformation. It largely confirmed you know, our strategy and, and what was in flight around our uh, migration to uh, the cloud, around our data management strategy, around cybersecurity, and around decommissioning legacy systems. So you know, we really looked at it as an opportunity to accelerate that journey. Certainly around the telework, I always uh, enjoy saying that it's not often that you get an opportunity to, t- to test in your production environment. So we literally had our four tick gateways. Uh, and as we stress tested those early on, we had the agreement of our business partners that we needed to find out really, really quickly what our true load capacity was. And uh, and, and so again, we were able to figure that out, get with our vendors, Modernize and upgrade and, and, and upgrade our bandwidth to our tick gateways. Similar work along telehealth and around our delivery. And we, I know we'll probably talk more about that later. But essentially, again, we tripled our, our remote access uh, employees from anywhere from about 40,000 up to about 140,000. We've uh, taken our telehealth sessions from a low of, I believe, pre COVID about 2,000 to the other day, we eclipsed 30,000 sessions of telehealth. So you can see that these are significant increases. Again, uh, it took an all hands on deck approach, and, and you know a lot of a lot of weekends, you know, working out through May, uh, and then certainly accelerating that journey to make sure that we're delivering for the nine million patients in VHA and the twenty million nationwide veterans that are eligible for our services.
1: Interesting, you say it accelerated the IT modernization aspects, the digital transformation. When you look back, would some of these changes have been three months out, six months out, a year out, and then you said? we have to get this done now. Like, let's just start with maybe the, the tick upgrades. Was that three, six, nine months out?
2: I wouldn't say it's as much a time frame in terms of the actual accomplishment as much as putting a sense of urgency around it. And so what I would say, the work that would have normally probably taken anywhere from two to three years to, to really figure out and to provision all the upgrades and get them in place, we've essentially and largely got those done in about three to four months. Right. And, and, and again, you know, you know, necessity being the mother of, uh, of, of invention here. Right. Nothing like a good crisis to focus the mind. And, you know, for me personally, as a CIO, uh, we have a very capable team and I'm confident in all of our abilities. The one thing that I was just you know, the least confident about, especially because our business partners didn't have clear sight was, you know, the, the remote access. And so when we, when we were staring down the barrel of a gun of up upwards of, hey, what if everybody went out on remote access? You know, what if we were like GSA and we went to a 95 plus percent model, you know, with everyone remote? Uh, you just kind of couldn't get there fast enough. And so, you know, fortunately, the virus didn't spread as rapidly as it did across all localities in our enterprise. And then I think the demand uh, for around VHA was less than anticipated. But I can tell you, we're much better positioned now. You know, our, our work now is, uh, you know, looking at some of the legacy infrastructure that's out there. You know, how do we continue to improve on that to provide that really custom experience? Because, you know, we've, we've, got, uh, we've got a couple of ways that people remote access in, and in some cases, our clinicians use both of those. They use the VPN for enterprise and they use the Citrix gateway for, uh, for, for the, their healthcare, you know, accessing uh, the, the record system. And so, you know, some of our providers and our employees are dependent on both systems. So it's pretty high demand.
1: You mentioned congressional funding and there's always that, that discussion about how important more money is. I mean, I know VA has an IT budget of something effective over $6 billion. Uh, I think anybody would say, wow, that seems like a lot of money. You could do a lot. But a lot of that money is, is is put into the legacy systems to keep them up and running. I mean, was this was the influx of cash, so to speak, the funding, really how you were able to accelerate? Or would you have had to find a way either way just because of the situation?
2: There is no way that we would have been able to meet the increased demands of the pandemic without the supplemental appropriation, which is one of the reasons we're very grateful for the congressional support. Just to make sure the record's accurate, $4.3 billion for FY20. And, you know, I appreciate the question. And just for the record, I I did not slip Jason a 20 to ask this question. There was no pre-coordination, but, um, you know, people will often say, hey, 4.3 billion is a lot of money. And and we often, you look in the OMB register, they talk about IT as a percent of spend as compared to other federal agencies. I think that number is meaningless, right? Because really in in a commercial sense, you have to look at what is that 4.3 billion dollars sustaining and sustaining a, a discretionary department budget of almost a hundred billion dollars, right? And so all of a sudden, that four billion becomes a four percent, you know, a little greater than four percent spend of IT, and so uh, it doesn't look as big when you when you put the denominator
1: against the numerator. I was I was adding that extra two billion you guys got from Congress to make six billions. So. Sure, yeah, well, that's, and that's
2: and that's two-year money. We will use that, and you know, in all seriousness, we will use that across. Uh, both FY20 and 21. Certainly things too, you know, I think the other thing to keep in mind is VHA is growing about 50,000 additional employees, right? And so we have to provision them. We had to upgrade, again, we had to upgrade the tick gateways. We had to move things to the cloud faster. So when you look at all the additional staff and stuff that we have to support as a result of it, probably anywhere from 40 to 50% of that to include the sustainment tail in 21 is, is new requirements, is, is new additions.
1: You mentioned the, the favorite word of most CIOs is cloud. So let's go down that path a little bit. How essential was that during the pandemic, obviously to drive mission outcomes? I know very essential is probably the answer, but offer me some insights in terms of how did you use cloud or increase the use of cloud really to, to address these mission challenges?
2: So our cloud strategy at VA really began about two years ago. And I, and I think we're one of the lead adopters, certainly at scale within the federal government. If we had not, and I've shared this internal to the department as well, if, if we had not already done the things that we had done, made the investments, procured the services, let the contracts, really develop the capability, our enterprise cloud support uh, service office led by Mr. Dave Catanoso and his team, if we had not done all those things, we would have absolutely been caught in our back, back foot with the pandemic. But the fact that we did those things, provided the core services and the platforms for us to expand. And you know, probably the best example, again, was around telehealth. So our entire telehealth capability that yet kind of meager meager as compared to today's standards of 2000 sessions a day was an on-premise commercial solution. And we worked with VHA and with the commercial provider to expand that in a cloud environment and really provide almost twenty thousand sessions a day just in the cloud environment while we're expanding the on-premise. And so I think you know our experience is probably not dissimilar uh, to other federal agencies. Again, just given the size of the VA, you know our scale's a lot larger. Uh, you know we we would not have been able to do that if we did not again if we had not made those investments and had those cloud investments in place. And then certainly across the rest of our portfolio, you know we've we've talked pretty openly about. Our plan uh, for uh, our 800 existing applications and systems, uh, you know, going into this was about 350 applications, uh, ultimately in the cloud by 2024, we're reevaluating that number. You know, ultimately we are trying to drive to much more of an operating expenses and OPEX uh, business model uh, to really flatten that investment plan, you know, to avoid those spikes, tech refresh and modernization. And so we're continuing to reevaluate, not just across the VHA portfolio, but all, all the rest of the enterprise, VBA and NCA.
1: One thing that this brings up when you talk about all the work you did on the front end, and especially let's let's talk maybe telehealth for a second. I know we can get into more details later, but do you feel that you've put it in the cloud because you had to, so why bother ever bringing it out of the cloud again? Is that a typical, for, for most applications that have Potential surges or have a steady need to be accessed by a large number—is—is is that the plan now to to push as much that makes sense, obviously, to the cloud as possible? The old cloud smart versus cloud first.
2: Ultimately, we're trying to drive business outcomes and 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 the business right. Certainly, with VHA, we'll see where it goes, but we need to have the flexibility and the scalability to ramp up and ramp down with Veterans Health Administration and what their needs are. You know, today, yesterday, it was. Thirty plus thousand telehealth visits. You know, uh, five six months from now, it could be half that again, right? And so, from a flexibility, from a business standpoint, from a cost effectiveness, you know, standpoint, that provides us that kind of shock absorber that can, you know, extend and 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 allow our, our enterprise to scale up and scale down. You know, some of our early conversations uh, with our with the Hill staffers too. We talked about the same thing around around remote access and telework, and we mentioned how. know it's a it's kind of a multivariate calculus problem not only around your infrastructure the tick gateways your access gateways but also your licenses and endpoints and things like that and you know we while we certainly had a plan and in some cases you know your licenses can be a limiting factor you know we had to negotiate some deals some contracts to you know to for maximum telework it didn't mean that we paid more you know our engagement with our vendors our vendor partners in the pandemic uh, proved terrific. If we did not have the solid relationships that we did with our vendor partners across all categories of management, we would not have been able to pull off what we did. And and so we got things at competitive pricing, I would say even in some cases, in most cases, more competitively than maybe we had pre-COVID. Again, just because I think it was smart business on behalf of part of the vendors. But but again, the relationship we have with them uh, was critical. Well, again, getting back to cloud, what that allows us to do is that allows us to ramp up and ramp down, and I think really provide that cost efficiency. And over the long term, cloud is not cheaper, but it's more responsive, and it allows you to scale up and scale down faster. And that's really where the efficiency comes from.
1: All right. There's plenty to talk there. Vendor relationships is is another important one. But Jim, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we can continue our conversation. My guest today is Jim Jaffer the Assistant Secretary for Information and Technology and CIO at the Veterans Affairs Department. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO, sponsored by Pega, on Federal News Network.
0: When it comes to federal IT, no two missions are the same, and the partners who deliver for federal health agencies are the ones who truly listen and adapt. Cerner is that partner one who puts our clients and patients at the center of what we do. Cerner is transforming federal healthcare, developing breakthrough innovation and translating over 40 years of being a global leader in health technology to help our nation's veterans, service members and their families live healthier lives. Cerner is helping VA and the Department of Defense with the most ambitious health IT modernization effort in history so every veteran's health record will be continuous and accessible from enlistment throughout their lifetime no matter where they receive care learn how cerner is committed to delivering a lifetime of seamless care for veterans and service members at cerner.com federal it's only human to protect the world we all live in at chevron we recognize that co2 emissions are a continuing challenge and we believe it's up to all of us to help. So to reduce emissions in our operations, we've built an integrated carbon capture and storage facility capable of capturing up to 4 million tons a year. We know this isn't enough on its own, but it's only human to try. Chevron, the human energy company.
2: Here's Lieutenant Colonel Brandon Newell from the U.S. Marine Corps on the Federal Executive Forum on 5G and government. Sponsored by
0: Spirant.
2: We're prepared to do a number of pilots this year in in four different categories, from energy communications to connected vehicles to drones and what we call the digital fortress.
0: To listen to the whole program from Treza Media Group, log on to federalnewsnetwork.com, search Federal Executive Forum.
2: 5G promises to change our world its transformative effects will enable a new ultra-connected economy, increasing productivity, and spurring innovation. Those nations that master 5G will not only have a long-term economic advantage, but also a military one. For 5G technology will help transform the way our military operates, protecting U.S. economic leadership, and the national security of the American people, her allies, and partners. Visit Spirant.com, your partner
0: in making 5G work. From PR to paid programs, Learn what marketing is working for government contractors. Federal News Network. Search Amtower Off-Center.
1: Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO, sponsored by Pega on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Jim Jaffer, the Assistant Secretary for Information and Technology and Chief Information Officer at the Veterans Affairs Department. Now, Jim, before break, we were talking about the move to the cloud You mentioned some application rationalization that's going on. You mentioned vendors as well. And I wanna start there with the acquisition side. I know you're not a quote unquote acquisition guy, but uh, the CIO is supposed to play a big role. And in fact, I wrote a story just recently about some new responsibilities, some new authorities that the VA gave you as CIO over acquisition. So let's start there. What are some of those lessons you've learned about the pandemic when it comes to technology acquisition? And then we can move on to maybe some implementation as well.
2: Let me go ahead and address, I think, the, what you're talking about in the article. And certainly our Federal IT Acquisition Reform Act processes within the department. And I think in your, in your past article, you're referencing an IG report. And, you know, those authorities are out there. They exist. We certainly execute them to every day. I think part of it is, you know, non-IT leaders and organizations in the department and in other federal agencies really understanding that, right? And really understanding, I think it's our job, our responsibility as IT professionals to really educate leadership and our super users within the department, you know, why it's important. Uh, And I think we have plenty of use cases uh, Loanda Jones is my deputy chief information officer for strategic sourcing. She leads that. I do multiple Fatara reviews every every week. Again, it's about making sure that programs are aligned with the resources that we have, the right spend, that we're not provisioning uh, redundant capabilities within the enterprise. You know, and getting that cost efficiency. So again, I think uh, you know it's it's large an education piece, and and it's really our responsibility to show the department you talked earlier about that budget and that you know that that constant tension of a, of an IT budget struggling to uh, to you know to support a very large 100 billion dollar discretionary enterprise and so it's it's really the fatara review process is really instrumental to make sure that that we are optimizing every dollar of spend that we have out there
1: i have to say we, there was there was a lot of people who responded to the story Regarding the, hey, the VA, just is getting this quote-unquote policy in place now. It doesn't mean you weren't doing that previously. I think that it's sometimes policies lag behind action, and you're shaking your head. So let me uh, I'll, let me stop there and let you kind of jump in. But I, I have something more to add.
2: Sure. No, I, I would just reinforce to your comment again that it's really that you know folks understand that there are CIO authorities they don't always uh, fully understand the the every aspect and nuance of those, and it's and it's our responsibility. To, to really show why FATAR exists, how we do our review process, and then the corresponding value and efficiency that the department derives by having that process and having folks, whether it's administration dollars, as in VBA, VHA, or NCA, or whether it's an uh, IT centralized appropriation dollar, why it's going towards the best and most cost-effective solution that we have out there.
1: One of the interesting things about the pandemic, and, and I'll call it a little bit of a silver lining, a lot of the non it people realize how important it is yes. to get their work done and where maybe your relationship or your discussions with the program folks or your discussions with the cfo folks were yeah yeah jim just get it done don't don't get us hacked just get my make sure my xyz works email applications laptop cell phone you fill in the blank this really enabled what i've heard from a lot of cios for people to kind of take a half a step back and realize the importance of a CIO, the importance of your office, give me a sense about how those conversations has, has have been happening over the last few months, and how you hope to continue them moving forward to ensure that that value chain, that value discussion, is not doesn't go away just because the pandemic uh, re- recedes.
2: The information technology often use the metaphor that it's like oxygen. You know, people really don't appreciate it till it's gone, and so. Well, I think we had, a you know, over the, my previous 18 months of tenure uh, with the department, you know, I, I came in saying we were going to f- have a ruthless kind of, uh, you know, almost uh, obsession-like focus on the businesses, right? And business outcomes, because I think that's where technology leaders kind of go astray is when they focus only on technology outcomes and not the, the derivative value that they derive for the business. In terms of the pandemic, certainly with our CFO, John Rachowski you know, great partnership as we were, uh, you know, uh, talking with VHA and the other administrations and staff offices, figuring out what the impacts were going to be, how the businesses were going to address those. Uh, By the way, the one that, uh, you know, is is probably was least understood, even by me necessarily, was international emergency. Most of uh, your listeners and viewers are probably not aware that the Veterans Health Administration, the VA, becomes the national healthcare system of record and i explained to some of our vendors i said you know god forbid but there might be uh, in a particular locality one of your non-veteran employees may end up getting healthcare in a va facility and so that just to just to really bring home to to our vendor partners the you know the seriousness of our mission and our requirement vis-a-vis the national emergency and the president's declaration to provide that service so you know, again, obviously in the midst of a pandemic, VHA is kind of fr- is, is front and center. And that, that relationship with the CFO and with our business partner around understanding what their demands were, so working closely with VHA, and then building that package through OMB to go up to the Hill for that supplemental uh, appropriation. Because as I mentioned to you before, we're, while we're grateful for it, and we are, there is no way that we could, would have been able to meet the demands of the Department of VHA without that. Um, and then again, I I stressed, you know, the other thing, and this came up with Suzette Kent and the Federal CIO Council as we're aggregating our lessons learned is uh, around the Defense Production Act. And we found that that kind of Cold War era legislation that's really focused on national security needs doesn't necessarily set the right stage for the prioritization of healthcare agencies in the middle of a pandemic. And so, you know, we've got some work, I think afterwards legislatively, To make sure that uh, you know for subsequent waves or subsequent pandemics which you know probably won't be another 100 years that we have the right kind of government acquisition strategy and posture to address it because candidly if we had not again had the great relationship we did with our vendor partners uh, we would not have had the same outcomes we did
1: i want to just tag back to something you mentioned the great partnership with the cfo imagine your partnership is the same with the chief acquisition officer with the chief human capital officer how often did you meet how often do you meet now obviously a lot of zoom calls probably has that relationship changed in any way
2: for the department and for those you know cxo positions you just mentioned it was it was certainly a, a bit of an increase in the cadence i think where we saw the greatest change was was inside of even just uh, the office of information technology right i've had several of my Deputy Chief Information Officers that, that say, hey, I'm in the same building with my colleague and I meet more with him now than I did when we were in the same building. You know, I think, and again, the part of that is people acknowledging both information technology professionals and non-IT folks, the criticality of the technology in terms of uh, you know, uh, continuity, business continuity, right? We talk about safeguarding our employees and taking care of them. And while that's critically important, what's also critically important is continuation of operations, you know, COOP and business continuity. And and uh, I know that in, in our first uh, physical meeting back here at VA central office, I was really gratified that unsolicited that several of our staff, uh, senior staff said, wow, the new tools that your team is provisioning and, and the responsiveness and the reliability of the remote access networks and what you're providing in telehealth, what you're enabling, has just been phenomenal. And so, I, again, our, our, our team did a tremendous job, and I think our business partners have largely acknowledged it. Now, again, the only easy day was yesterday, right? What are you doing for me tomorrow?
1: I just want to add one more piece to this. The vendor relationship has been also key. You mentioned them several times. I've talked to Suzette Kent as well, the federal CIO who mentioned this idea of the, so much kudos go to, to the vendors. A, any quick stories you'd provide about a vendor who stepped up or, or somebody who, who came through with licenses or some way that you kind of pushed it faster, better, to, to get the, the tools and the, the, the capabilities out to the VHA, VBA folks quicker?
2: Sure. I'll, I mean, I'll give you, and again, these are not designed to be endorsements or commercials, but I you know, I want to give them credit and uh, I'll give you two quick examples. The first one was we call them activations within the VA parlance. So when a new medical facility or some other facility is is brought into service, we activate that. When, when you look at the IT provisioning of that, the normal pace, you know, kind of, you know, non-national emergency is anywhere around four months, because when you think about it, right, having to get all the easement access and the lease lines pulled in and, you know, go out and procure the endpoints and all the infrastructure, all this, you know, land and WAN switching and that goes into the facility. We working with our carrier partners with AT&T and others and CenturyLink, we were able to provision uh, the medical clinic in Garland, Texas in, wait for it, 21 days. 21 days from the time that VHA said, we wanna open this facility until data flowing in the facility, full access with endpoints on desktops, 21 days. And we often cite that as an example of, with the right focus and the right staffing and the right budget, you can do anything, right? And that's what we're able to do with those with those variables. The other example I would offer to you is, you know, the criticality of the trusted internet connections in our four gateways. And I'll tell you candidly that pre-COVID, we had an unfunded requirement around some upgrades for our tick gateways. And in our, in our council meetings with our partners, it was voted as a low priority. Well, guess what? COVID hit and that changes the day entirely. And I can tell you that our business partners now, we've had this kind of candid conversation after the fact, they now realize that you can have the best application and services out there, but if you can't get in either VPN or access gateway uh, into the network, then it doesn't matter a hill of beans, right? And so, uh, you know, working with Cisco, for example, at the, uh, you know, at those data centers to upgrade, working with the carriers with AT&T and CenturyLink to double the bandwidth, you know, those were the, you know, real math and real science of real things uh, to provision that sort of capacity to allow our users to have the experience that they needed Uh, And without those, you know, real things and real money, we would not have achieved those.
1: Excellent examples. Obviously, we know not an endorsement, but just facts. You got it done because you need to get it done. Uh, Jim, let's take a quick break. We come back. We continue our conversation. My guest today is Jim Jaffer, the Assistant Secretary for Information Technology and Chief Information Officer at the Veterans Affairs Department. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO, sponsored by Pega, on Federal News Network.
0: Doctors and patients are facing new challenges, and as the demand for telemedicine grows, so does the need for connectivity. 5G meets that need. That's why Qualcomm remains focused on helping to provide superior, security-rich 5G connectivity so physicians can offer virtual diagnosis, remote heart monitoring, or out-of-hospital ultrasounds. The invention age is here. Learn more at qualcomm.com/inventionage.
1: As agencies are mandated to plan cloud smart, public cloud may not always be the best option, and building a private cloud isn't the most cost-effective long-term solution. Tune in on Tuesday, September 10th at noon to hear executives from the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, the Department of Energy, and the State Department discuss their strategies and thoughts on how a multi-cloud approach can help meet the mission. Thursday, September 10th at noon. Sponsored by Iron Boat Technologies, Dell Technologies, Intel Corp, and VMware. A federal career can last 30 years or more, and so can your federal retirement. Tune in for your benefit every Monday morning to get the information you need to plan your retirement. Maximize your federal benefits and increase your financial savvy. For your benefit. Presented by NITP and sponsored by WEPA, offers valuable information on topics of interest to the federal employee. Join us each Monday at 10.05 a.m. on Federal News Network. For additional information, visit nitpinc.com.
0: Public sector leaders today have to constantly make decisions at speeds their missions demand. Any errors can be costly. While this may seem daunting, innovators are leveraging data to overcome their challenges. Splunk's Data to Everything D2E platform drives fast, confident decisions and decisive actions through powerful, real-time insights to ensure mission success. Turn data into doing with Splunk. Learn how at splunk.com publicsector. Listen to what Dr. Schertz is talking about on Tech Talk.
2: What Epic did actually, rather than pay the 30% fee on the in-app purchases, they created a way to buy the upgrades to the game in a way that you bypass the Apple platform. And that violated the rules of service that Apple had, so Apple kicked them off. They also did it on the Google platform, so Google kicked them
0: off. Stratford University's Tech Talk Radio, Saturday mornings from 9 to 10 on 1500 a.m.
1: Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO, sponsored by Pega on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Jim Jaffer, the Assistant Secretary for Information and Technology and Chief Information Officer at the Veterans Affairs Department. Jim, before break, we're talking a little bit about acquisition. Let's move over to this idea of the changes you've made, whether it's to systems or software or to broad infrastructure technology. How do you ensure that those will continue to be the norm and not the exception just because we had this pandemic and, and and i guess the big question is of those lessons are is, which ones can be applicable obviously to non emergency situations
2: we talked a little bit about the pandemic you know we talk about a lot of success stories but you know certainly along the ways you know it, the pandemic exposed a lot of deficiencies right and things where we need to make investment we talked about that in terms of cloud but largely uh, our digital strategy remains intact you know you talk about software one of the challenges for the VA and any federal agency is around development. You know, we've got about 800 systems in our environment and applications, so we're constantly looking for how do we get those uh, uh, into into a, a more refined ecosystem? You know, you know wh- what can we decommission? Uh, and then I think one of our pushes is how do we build the common platforms and, and really create a low-code, no-code environment so that when we look at development and enhancements that have to occur, be they in the pandemic or outside of a non-emergency situation, how can we respond a lot faster, right? Because a lot of the VA legacy systems, like a lot of federal legacy systems, are are not written on those common platforms. They're not written in a low code, no code environment. And so, you know, certainly we're going to be we're going to be looking to accelerate around that. Uh, I mentioned also that uh, you know while we're en route to a pretty deliberate strategy around an operating expenses methodology, right? Cloud being part of that um, and managed services being another part of that. We really didn't touch on that much. We're gonna look to accelerate that because uh, again, it, it does a couple things, right? One, it, it, it exposes the true nature and the true cost of the enterprise. You know, one of the things that VA is doing is we're a leader in the whole technology business management effort. And so we continue to refine our cost towers and cost pools. And managed service and cloud and uh, and common platform environments really allow us a much accurate picture uh, around our day-to-day costs and, and and get us to that operating expense environment so you're, you're going to continue to see us press on that uh, we'll always have a balance i think uh, across the enterprise in terms of on-prem versus off-prem but again we you know i think our, our responsibility as we look for that cost efficiency is to make sure that we are also identifying the true cost, and sometimes those get masked when we don't have that true OPEX mentality.
1: Uh, I had a great conversation with one of your folks on TBM. I know that's a big effort for VA. Just real quick, you're seeing some benefits from that already. How did TBM play into this pandemic environment?
2: I think right before the pandemic, too, we were able to present, we were talking about a multi-year plan, and we are able to present To the administrations kind of what their burden cost was too right because people often look at the enterprise costs and they say what do i get out of that right And it kind of goes back to the tick gateway conversation what do i get out of a highly functioning and efficient tick gateway well what you get is you get access to those applications that we built right and and without that uh reliable and durable enterprise what good is the world's finest and most premier application Um, and so we uh, with tbm we were able to show the administrations and the staff offices, hey, budget wide, enterprise wide, here's what we're spending on you, direct and indirectly, you know, to provide you those services that you so desperately depend on, right? All three, certainly our healthcare administration you know, business line, VHA, uh, you know, my question is always to them, like it is in the commercial industry, is at what point do you become a tech company that delivers healthcare outcomes, right? And 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 so you you really can't you really can't short sheet your technology because it is becoming, you know, the critical indispensable aspect of your care delivery. And I know Dr. Stone appreciates that, you know, VHA's model, for example, is care anywhere to anywhere. And and you only do that with technology.
1: That's a great point. And there's obviously more to talk there, but let me jump ahead to another question here around this idea of citizen and customer services. VA has one of the largest customer bases of probably any, any agency, a very specific one who demands more from you every year, every day. How did those challenges you face with your technology environment how did you solve some of those to ensure that your, your citizen services, your your service to veterans, was continues to to be excellent? You guys have I'm going to get ahead of you, Jim. You guys have done an excellent job with customer satisfaction and customer service, raising it over the last four, five, six years. How how do you how do you ensure that during the pandemic you didn't lose ground? Even
2: outside of the trust scores within VA, which are very substantial, and and I think the secretary and others have done a great job of advertising those is our ranking in our American customer satisfaction index cohort, and we've gone from an ACSI of 70 to 79 in just about five months, which, you know, inside of a pandemic, maybe it's a surprise, maybe it's not, Uh, but I, I, you know, that would truly indicate that our business partners feel like, you know, we're on par in our cohort with uh, Microsoft and even above Google in terms of delivery of outcomes. And so I think that's pretty good company. You know, we look at our digital strategy again, and you know, one of the reasons that it's called the Office of Information and Technology, not IT, is because of the things that we're delivering directly in terms of information and data. And I'll cite a couple of kind of broad examples. Number one is our corporate data warehouse, Mr. Jack Bates and his business information services line. They have provided the the CDW uh, resources uh, around a national toolbox so that VHA and Dr. Stone and his team on their daily calls, uh, twice a day calls, could have what they refer to as their single source of truth. It's the CDW, for example, that also supplies the access to care website so that folks have that transparency around the fourth mission and what VHA and VA are delivering in terms of capacity and capability across the country. So that's, that's one I would highlight in terms of our business value. The other one is our efforts around VA.gov you know and our digital uh, customer experience our veteran experience and so we continue to migrate from across a number of platforms and consolidate these functions on our va.gov platform you know one of the examples is we used a chat bot to help really veterans self-service so you want to do some sort of self-screening and then get some of your questions answered and our chief technology officer charles worthington our digital experience team within two weeks put that together there's a digital screening tool that we put together. GSA is now using the code for that for, for facility screening. So there's just a number of examples. And I tell you, you know, we often give our veterans kind of a short shrift and, you know, and maybe even myself as a veteran, you know, you feel like there's certain cohorts that aren't digital savvy. But I was at Reagan Airport last October and here's a 94-year-old World War II Army Normandy veteran. Uh, in a wheelchair getting ready to board early on the flight and there he is working his smartphone right and so we we know that our veterans are using the digital channel and we're continuing to accelerate our journey around delivering connectivity and applications on va.gov on mobile um, so that our veterans uh, can can meet on that place on that channel
1: the pandemic required you guys to move fast move with a sense of urgency it also enabled others across VA to understand the value and the importance of technology. How's it gonna get you to think differently around the future of your technology infrastructure to continue to drive these mission outcomes?
2: This is kind of a summation, a lot of the stuff that we've talked about. We realize that our, our digital strategy is sound, now we just need to accelerate on, on all aspects of it. We're probably going to be accelerating around cloud, right, to provide that scap- scalability, that, that flexibility. Certainly around telehealth. I don't think any of us would have predicted there was a, a time about the middle of April where there were more daily telehealth visits than there were on premise. You know, none of us probably would have predicted that except for a once-in-a-century pandemic. Telework and our business model, you know, as I travel around in a very, very limited fashion here and certainly talk to our business partners. The theme is kind of very similar to what you hear across commercial sector and certainly around the rest of the federal government. Um, it's a new day. We're not going back necessarily. What are going to be the provisions and the opportunities to continue around telework and remote access? And you look at the tools that we have out there, right? I mean, we had the uh, largest single d- day deployment of Microsoft Teams in our environment. And, uh, you know, uh, OIT used it uh, uh, starting in March. Uh, you know, we, uh, we eat our own cooking. Uh, we, you know, we've done a lot with it. And we've introduced it as our as our business partners have wanted. And when you look at the opportunity around some of these video and other collaboration tools. It's just, it's a phenomenal experience and and it it allows an increase in productivity that I think none of us really would have expected. And so I think the challenge for those of us going forward is, you know, our business partners like any other federal agency are going to have a huge appetite for these things. They're going to have a huge appetite around the additional employees that we're onboarding. How do we demonstrate our need to have the right resources and budget to deliver around these capabilities. You know, often people, when they think of uh, OIT or any information technology office, they go right to the technology, right? And they don't kind of fall into the, you know, worn out paradigm of people process and technology, right? So, you know, we, we've got to make the case around our investments to meet that growing demand because I can tell you in 2020 and beyond VA as any other federal agency is going to have a much greater need and requirement for these technology for these tools for these for remote access for telehealth and and ultimately it's all about serving the veteran and their caregiver and their survivors and it's and it's really accelerating their digital experience you know around va.gov and the other platforms that we have
1: very sure Once the genie's out of the bottle, it's not going back in when it comes to the remote working and all these tools that are much easier for everyone to use. Uh, Jim, this has been a fascinating conversation. Unfortunately, we're out of time for today, so we would love to have you back on. First, let me thank my guest, Jim Jaffer, the Assistant Secretary for Information and Technology and Chief Information Officer at the Veterans Affairs Department. Jim, thank you so much for taking the time today. My
2: pleasure, Jason. Thank you for the time.
1: I'm Jason Miller. And we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network.